0: Picture a cobblestone street bathed in twilight. A lone street performer clad in worn-out garments dances with vigor to a tune no longer in style. There's a crowd around them, but as the camera moves closer, you notice their faces passing by without meeting the gaze of our performer. Despite the dancers' passionate performance with sweat pouring down their brow, not a single soul stops to watch. The performer's eyes well up, blending with the rain that begins to fall on their face. The old-fashioned tune fades away, and the performer begins to slow down. They fall to their knees and weep. Sorry to begin on such a sorrow and melodramatic note, but I do this to illustrate a point. If you can feel emotion, this most likely tugged at your heartstrings. But at no point did I tell you to be sad. I merely used images of despair to show you examples of how I wanted you to feel. And if you can understand this tool, then you're well equipped to stand out in the B2B SaaS landscape. Let's imagine this scene playing out in the tech world. It's an industry that is as saturated and competitive as that bustling marketplace. Companies are like street performers vying for the attention of passers-by. You may have the most innovative product with all the flair and all the excitement, but if you merely shout from the rooftops about its features, you may find your audience as responsive as our crowd on that cobblestone street. To engage your audience, you must show them the depth, the soul of your product, and make them feel its impact. And who better to guide us through the shadows and into the spotlight than Tyler Lessard. The VP of Marketing and Chief Video Strategist at Vidyard, Tyler is the virtuoso who understands the intricacies of showing over telling in content marketing. Like a film director, he knows how to capture the audience's heart by creating content that resonates on a deeper level. With Tyler's artistic flair and strategic genius, he crafts tales that break through the clutter and touch the audience. In today's episode, join us as we explore the somber alleys and illuminated boulevards of content marketing with Tyler Lessard. Discover how to craft content that resonates, how to dance through the marketplace, and how to make sure your product doesn't go unnoticed in the crowd. From Paddle, it's Protect the Hustle, where we explore the truth behind the strategy and tactics of B2B SaaS growth to make you an outstanding operator. On today's episode, Tyler Lessard spoke to Andrew Davies at the beginning of 2023 about understanding the idea of show don't tell in content marketing. They talk about showing instead of telling, the three pillars of sales feed success, using humor in content without crossing the line, building a scalable rapport engine, and looking inside and outside of tech for content inspiration. After you finish the episode, check out the show notes for a look into Tyler's secret sauce. Then while you're leaving your five-star review of the podcast, tell us what resonated most about Tyler's advice. First up, showing instead of telling. So, Tyler, tell me a little bit
1: about your current role, where you came to from it in order to come out of what you're doing now. Just just go from the top. Give me a few minutes and then we'll and then I'll dive in with some questions.
2: Terrific. Well, my name is Tyler Lassard. I am the VP Marketing at Vidyard and self-proclaimed chief feeder at Salesfeed, which is our Brand Extension Media Network. In my life here at Vidyard, I've actually been here for just over eight years, if you can believe it, which is like 160 years in SaaS. And it's been a a wild ride because we sit at this intersection of the use of video in sales and marketing and technology. And we think about every day, how can B2B go-to-market teams unlock potential and value in the use of video for everything from their online communications and go-to-market programs right into how their sales team reaches out and connects with buyers and builds relationships in this digital-only world. So over the last number of years, I've had a great opportunity to really learn the ins and outs of how businesses can and are using video. I've got a chance to become a video creator myself, which, you know, I honestly never thought would happen. And most recently launched our media network called Salesfeed, which leverages a lot of short-form video content as well as other formats to engage audiences across a myriad of channels. So it's been a
1: wild ride, and really excited to to bring some perspectives to uh, today's listeners. Fantastic! Thank you so much. Well. When I was thinking about you and I was trying to explain to my wife, she always asks who I'm talking to you know, today in my meetings and stuff. And I said, oh, speaking to Tyler, and I was thinking he's, he's definitely not stale. He's definitely not boring. He's definitely not bland. But he's all over my LinkedIn feed, rapping and dre- dressing up as Star Wars characters. So um you know I, I definitely want to dig into some of the more uh, the, the more interesting videos that have popped up on my LinkedIn feed over the last few months feels like you know character development is taking on a new world in sales feed but let's just kind of maybe start at the very top so not only are you doing this as your day job as a, a lead of marketing at vidyard you also as you say your chief feeder I think you said at, uh, at Salesfeed you're creating video you've written a book called the Visual Sale and I was I was going back to that and that was a couple of years out I think now and I was going back to it and you stress in there the importance of showing instead of telling. And that's a fundamental principle of screenwriting, right? So talk to me a bit more about that as we start off. How are all the things you're doing, you making sure that you are showing instead of telling when it comes to marketing and all of the different videos you're publishing?
2: Well, this concept, show, don't tell, among a few others, I think are of prominent importance right now as we have moved into this digital first and often digital only business world. Right. Like you rewind a number of years and we used to have opportunities to actually meet clients in person, to walk them through ideas, to present to them, to have coffee, to build relationships. Um, even from a marketing perspective, we had, you know, sort of physical media and things we did to build our brands and and relied on our sales teams to show how things worked. But that's a totally different world from where we are today. Everything is online. And the opportunities for customers and prospects to learn with us comes all about using digital media and content to do that. And in this world where we're no longer showing up in their office, walking through things, we have to equip ourselves to show rather than just tell our prospects how it is that we can help, how to solve certain problems, how others have done it, and to be able to do those things on demand, online. Right. And one of the, the big fundamentals I talk about in the visual sale the book that I wrote on, on using video is it goes back to, for me, what I call the four E's of video. And these are the four kind of unique characteristics that I think make video kind of like their superpowers compared to other forms of content, right? Compared to text or static images and so on. And the four E's are educational. It's more educational to watch a video than to read static content And this is backed by how our brains actually process visual and audible information, right? We can learn much more from a two-minute video than we can from reading for 10-plus minutes. The second is engaging. Video has the opportunity to create more engaging content for our audiences because of our abilities to use visuals, audio, body language, personalities, all of these kinds of things, as well as really enhance the storytelling narrative. Emotional is the third E. Which is again about our ability to strike an emotional chord with our viewers through the use of various techniques. And then the last one, which I think is a real hidden superpower of video, is empathy. And it gives us the ability to put our real people out there into the world to create this level of transparency with our audience where they can get to know us as peers, not just as faceless brands, and can start to trust us, right? When they can actually see us delivering a message, when they can see our eyes, right? Like the, Again, the human brain is drawn to faces because that's how we evolved as a species to learn how to trust people. So there's all these interesting things when you think about those four E's and you say, geez, yeah, you know, right, video, absolutely. It's more educational, engaging, emotional, empathetic. Why don't I do more of it? And that's the crux for a lot of businesses right now.
1: Super interesting. So we'll come back to each of those four E's, I'm sure, over the course of the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so. Just before we started chatting on this podcast, you mentioned that you know, video is a secret weapon. And um, I wrote it down immediately because I thought, how is it still a secret weapon? You know, Do you really believe there are all these companies that are not using it? It feels like everyone on LinkedIn that I'm seeing, everyone in my contacts are investing in it in some form. So talk to me a bit more about what's so secret still about video.
2: I think you're right. It's a fair point that it is not A secret that video is a very effective medium and absolutely more and more people are using it. But if you think about for most businesses, the scale and efficiency that they're using video at is very much in its infancy. And If you think about most content teams today, so if you think about like where does video creation come from in most businesses today? It's typically coming out of content marketing teams. It might be coming out of brand and comms if you're using it for higher level brand programs and such. But most of those teams today are still very much built around the written word. Most content teams are heavy loaded with writers, journalists, folks who can create great blogs, ebooks, and so on, which is completely fair because those play a really key role in things like SEO and others. But most teams have not been rethought in this new world, multimedia first, of video, audio, the need to then create personalities, right? Because the interesting thing, the really interesting thing when you think about it, like making video a core part of how you start to communicate in your marketing and sales programs, is that it is different, materially different from static text-based content. You need new skill sets, but you also need personalities. That's actually the biggest crutch and challenge that I see a lot of businesses face. And I feel like it's still a secret weapon because most companies don't feel like they're ready to really unlock video. Like in the way where they're, like every day they're writing emails, they're posting on social, they might be making a blog a week, right? But then when you say like, how often are you making videos? It's like, oh, like once a month maybe. And you're like, Why aren't you making a video every day just like you're writing an email every day? And they say, well, that's too hard and I don't have the right people and it's too expensive. And all of those are only valid excuses if you're thinking about video in a traditional way, right? And my eight-year-old daughter makes videos every day and they're damn good. And she does them using simple modern tools but the opportunity is there for us to really unlock it and i think that's the secret is figuring out how to tap into it in a way that's effective efficient and just becomes a part of how we deliver our messages on an ongoing
0: basis next the three pillars of sales feed success
1: So let's dig into SalesFeed and perhaps you can tell a bit of the story behind the why you created it and what it is for listeners who will then surely go and have a look after this if they haven't already. And then we can dig back into some of these frameworks um, as a result of that context.
2: So SalesFeed is our media network extension as part of Vidyard. And going back just over a year now, when we launched, we were thinking about new ways to engage our audience, in this case, sales professionals. So Vidyard has a free and then, of course, paid and enterprise video messaging solution for sales teams. So it makes it really easy for any sales rep to record and send video messages directly via email and others. And we knew we had built out a very strong and reputable brand for that specific category. So if a sales rep is looking for a video messaging solution, we're confident they're going to find Vidyard and we're going to come out as the top solution. But we also know that probably less than 1% of the global community of salespeople are actually aware of or looking for a video messaging solution actively. And so we said, you know what, we just, we have to increase awareness of these capabilities. We have to reach a broader community of salespeople and we have to build this audience proactively unless we want to be here 10 years from now, kind of waiting and playing the patience game. So we thought about what does this, how do we reach a broader community of sales professionals? And we landed on launching what we call this media network, SalesFeed where we are producing content across a variety of channels that is built for the sales audience. It's not to talk about vidyard or video. It's to talk about all the things that we feel sales reps are interested in. And what was interesting is we looked at that audience of sales reps, individual sellers. We found a few areas that they were underserved that they also had a strong preference for. One, you know, was short form video. So we found there's a lot of long form content for sales leaders. There's a lot of podcasts actually for sales leaders and sales reps. There are some great YouTube channels that are longer form content, but most reps want shorter content and they wanted to push to them on social channels. So we really leaned into creating short form video content that was built for TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram Reels. And we took it seriously. We said, if we're going to invest in these channels, we need to create content for those channels, not just create a great video and push it out across all of them. So that was a really important piece of it. And then the last piece I'll comment on, and, and we can dive a bit deeper if you'd like, is we also found as a media network, there was great demand from our audience for both education and entertainment. When we think about media networks, we think they could be news, education, or entertainment. And we decided education and entertainment were really important to our audience and things we could deliver to them that they were lacking. And on the entertainment side, as you alluded to earlier, we, you know, in addition to creating short-form educational content, we also create a ton of entertainment content. Comedy, things to make people laugh on a daily basis. Everything from static memes to fun skit videos to TikToks and others. And this has been incredibly successful for us. We've found that our audience has just absolutely gravitated towards this content, but we've done it well because we brought in the right people who we were confident could deliver on things like short form video and humor and develop personalities with it rather than trying to take the existing talent we had and said, hey, can you figure out how to do this?
1: So this is really, you know, a direct articulation bringing to life that's you know, that principle you described in the book around showing not telling. You know, instead of telling people to use video and how they should use video, you're showing them all of these different creative ways of educating and entertaining. So before we dive in, yeah, let's go a level deeper on some of those frameworks and action there. You know, what have been the results of that? You mentioned it's been successful. You know, can you talk about any numbers in terms of audience size or or how it's impacted the company or number of videos you've produced?
2: Yeah. So we have three main goals as part of this media brand extension. Reach, resonance and Conversion. And so, reach is, of course, about our audience building. And uh, over the last just over 12 months, we've built following across our channels just over 100. And we're now just over 110,000 across our TikTok, YouTube, and LinkedIn channels, which I'm really excited about. So, when we crossed over 100,000 followers, that was a really big milestone to be able to do that in one year. But what I'm equally proud of is resonance, which, you know, another term for that is, is it manifests through engagement. Right. It's like, is our content resonating? And to understand that we measure engagement and that I'm even more proud of when we look at our various channels, our YouTube channel, for example, where we just crossed over three and a half thousand subscribers, which for one year is, is pretty strong. But our engagement level is just through the roof on, you know, every month we're seeing thousands of hours content consumed which is a great indication that our audience is getting value they're coming back for more and we're building these trusted relationships with them. We see the same things on LinkedIn where again our you know our content just continues to get a, a significant number of comments and shares and reposts and reactions and those are better indicators of success for me than just the reach and follower numbers. And then the last piece which is interesting is we also think about of course how do we take, this audience that we're building, that we're investing in, right? We're spending a lot of resources creating content for this community. Are we converting them into being aware of Vidyard, being aware of video messaging, and then ultimately, you know, hopefully adopting our free tools. And so that's been a great focus area. And we've started to see some really great success recently, giving opportunities for that sales fee community to lean in on video related topics. And the way I think about it is now, you know, one in every 20 piece of content, let's say we create, talks about using video in some way. And so now that we've got this audience who is continuously engaging with us, every once in a while, they're learning about how to use video in their sales process. And our bet is that as they learn the value of that and they look for a tool, Vidyard will be their tool of choice. And thankfully, we are
1: starting to see some good indications of that. So you're definitely playing the long game there. Super interesting. So. Let's talk about, you know, education, engaging, emotion and empathy and your two part split that you articulated there, which is education and entertainment, which I guess speaks to um, some of the emotion and the engagement in in your previous ease. So when you're deciding, you know, what you're going to publish, what's the process of ideation? What's the process of feedback before you get to what's a pretty high volume publishing team?
2: Yeah, this has become really interesting and it's changed a lot over the last, you know, one to two years. So I would start this by saying we still have a core part of what we do as what I would consider a, a traditional content strategy, right? There's still some very important hero topics that we identify, that we want to talk about, that we want to own as a leader from a, a mind share and also an SEO perspective. And so we invest in creating long-form content for those topics. And traditionally, where we may have only written a blog post or created an ebook we now start with a longer form heavy hitting video on that topic. And then we use what comes out of that in terms of the script and and the story arc to then create the blog post that surrounds it. And we leverage the video within that. So the blog post manifests out of the narrative that gets built from the video. And we now have multiple assets. We have the blog post for SEO and we have the heavy hitting video to be an SEO magnet on YouTube. And then we also use it in, in various other places. So that's one piece where we are thinking about every quarter, we're like, we've got three new big topics. That those are things we're going to go after. But to your point, in addition to that, literally every day, you know, we're putting out new videos on TikTok and in our LinkedIn channels. And much of that is very, very agile. I'd be, you know, lying if I said that I know what's going to go on our TikTok channel later this afternoon. Right. I don't. I don't because we've empowered people on the team with the ability to do that. And so Will Aitken, who runs our TikTok channel, I have no doubt he's at home right now looking at the latest trend on TikTok and going, how can I turn that into a sales relate- a sales video that our audience will go, oh, I- you totally relate to that. Right. And, you know, it could be anything. But, you know, so there's a high velocity, high agility that goes into some of this. And then there's a lot of things that sit in the middle, right? We also think about, okay, there's some of these other things that we want to do. We've got a great format called our FAQ videos, where we will use Riverside or Zoom to record short, um, you know, Q&As with different experts in our community. We'll ask them all the same five or six different questions. And then we'll create mashup videos for each question. And we'll say, okay... In our world, for example, one of our most successful is on cold call openers, right? Sales reps love their cold call openers. So we said, great, let's go out and ask a dozen different people what their favorite cold call opener is. And then we smashed it together into a video. And what's interesting is, again, it's easy to do. Like the editing is really simple. We're not getting drone footage here. We're not adding motion graphics. It's just like real people giving real advice. When you get yourself in this mindset... These things can become so valuable, again, so impactful, but you can do them at high velocity. So we've got this interesting mix, but when you've got a team that's kind of built on it, literally of our team of four people who run SalesFeed, any of us could edit a video, shoot, edit, and ship a video on any given day. And a lot of it is about the talent.
0: And now, using humor in content without crossing the line.
1: And we'll come back to the talent in a minute. And you mentioned personalities as being a key part of company's strategy towards video earlier. Before we do that, what I love about the volume that you are putting out, particularly of short form, you know, zero click on TikTok and, and uh, Insta Reels, etc., is how much you must be learning. So what are the lessons you're learning from the volume of engagement and interactions you're seeing? What works? What doesn't?
2: It's been really, really interesting. And you're absolutely right. Like this consistency in what we're doing every week, we get better. And one of the the most important things I've learned is that building for each individual channel matters so much. What works on TikTok is different from what works on YouTube, is different from what works on Reels, is different from what works on LinkedIn and is different from what works on our website. And the shortcut is to try to say, well, you know what, I'm just going to like make one or two, and then we'll ship them across all channels. And in some cases, that's okay. But the reality is to unlock the potential, you've got to be mindful of that and and, uh, be able to deliver on that. So that's a really big one. And our team has gotten very good at that, at creating videos intentionally for TikTok, intentionally for YouTube, intentionally for LinkedIn, and so on. So that's big lesson number one. Lesson number two, which is something I've always been horrible myself at in retrospect, and I'm almost embarrassed when I look at the videos I used to create, is that getting right into the content and the message and the value is so important. You know, when I used to make videos, and, and sometimes I still do, and my team razzes me about it, and I love it. I'm like, hey, everybody, it's Tyler here. And in this video, we're going to talk about ABC. And then and, and you're like, okay, Tyler... Stop there. Now just start again. (laughs) And it's like, okay, you're right. Like the title of the video, we're going to add some like visual elements that are going to explain what the title is, what the topic is, the thumbnail, all of that is going to set expectations. Get right into it. That first five seconds, 10 seconds, so important. And if you're using it, introduce yourself to introduce the topic, you're missing an opportunity. So beginnings of your videos count so much today building for those different channels those are the two biggest things that have popped for me over the last year
1: are there any examples or lessons that come to mind on you know what you need to do for each of those channels that could be helpful so for
2: us what we found is i mean tiktok is its own beast and again people listening right now are probably like i'm not even on we're not even on tiktok so like fast forward tyler and to that i will say you may be missing an interesting opportunity Uh, We have found uh, our TikTok channel is over 70,000 followers and all we post is sales content, right? That's it. So I'm very confident that the majority of those people are actually salespeople and uh, are valuing our content. And we do a mix of education and entertainment. And one of the things to that point on our TikTok channel that we've learned is that this right balance of helpful and entertaining content has worked really well for us so if you go to our tiktok channel if you go on tiktok and you search for sales feed you should hopefully find us and you'll find as you scroll through our our legacy content yeah there's a lot of fun stuff that's like just silly trends and and like little jokes and things like that but there's also a tremendous amount of short educational content and our community really loves us for that they're like on any given day they they know we're going to make them laugh but there's also an opportunity where they're going to learn a quick tip. And there's a lot you can do in under a minute, right, in under 30 seconds to providing tips and ideas. So that's been a big one for us is that combination of education and entertainment to build the community, but then also create value. The second thing I'll I'll share is we've learned a lot on YouTube, what's worked and what hasn't. And we've, for us, we are now actually modeling a lot of our creation style on things we've learned from YouTubers like MrBeast, Beast he's actually one of our greatest inspirations. And we used to create video for our YouTube channel more like a Netflix, right? We, we were doing like episodic series-based higher production content. And then we found as we moved more towards like personality-centric, you know, fast cut edit, interesting storyline coupled with, you know, some helpful ideas became really, really successful for us. So again, you can go to our sales feed channel on YouTube and check out how we've Kind of the, the formats that we're now leaning into, they're working really, really well for us.
1: So you you've mentioned humor, and you know that comes across on all of your different channels. You know, clearly a lot of thought goes into, or maybe it just comes out of the personalities, the style of humor. How do you use it to help communicate? Is there any thought process around the boundaries around the humor that you use?
2: It's an interesting one. When you know humor is tough, humor is tough to pull off well, and when it doesn't land, you know it can sometimes do more harm than good. Frankly. And so, yeah, first and foremost, when we built the sales feed team in particular, we knew we wanted to lean into humor and entertainment. And so the talent that I brought in, that was part and parcel of it, right? I wanted folks who I felt like had the right type of sense of humor, who had proven their ability to do that. And that's been a really big win for us because it is very, very tricky. But I'll tell you, one of the reasons we do lean into humor is that, I mean, not only does that, when it lands, it's like the most shareable and viral content, but what it does for us is it creates an amazing level of relatability with our audience. The humor content is the stuff where people comment and go, you get me. Like you, you absolutely get me. And, you know, it's when we do, I mean, one of our, our like most successful videos, Will Aiken on our team did uh, for the sales audience Right. So you put yourself inside the head of a salesperson and, you know, one of the gripes they have is like, well, sales is the only team in the business where we are like heavily commission based. And if like quarter to quarter, right, like it's like, okay, reset, I don't care what you did last quarter if you don't hit it this quarter. And like there's all these like challenges that they have that no other teams face. And so we did a video, Will did a video called If Other Departments Were Treated Like Sales. And so it was like a leader going into like, and it was these fast cuts, and it was like, "Hey, uh, HR team, yeah, by the way, if you don't actually hit your uh, recruitment quota this month, you're fired." Right? It, it's just like, and it's these fun, fast clips, and the point of it was, was to create this bond with our audience, right? And 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 of course, again, people are like, "Oh my goodness, this is so true." I like, I didn't know how to articulate it. You get me? This is amazing, and it creates this level of of connection. And it goes back to those four E's. It's like that humor, it's not only entertaining and emotional, but it creates that empathetic bond. And it's when you can have people doing it. And it's so different from writing a joke in a blog post to having somebody create this fun skit on camera where their personalities are also attached to it. So that is kind of why I get so excited about using humor and levity with our audience. But it is difficult to do. And there's certainly times where I, I you have to question, you know, are we... There are times when people say like, that was inappropriate, right? And uh, you didn't need to drop the F-bomb in this video or that offended me. And we always try to be very sensitive to that. If we feel there's anything that could inappropriately offend people, that's where we often think we're gonna cross a line because there's no need to, right? That's lazy humor. I think lazy humor is when you rely on tropes and things like that. And so we, we focus on smart humor that we feel doesn't offend our audience. It may offend others. We make fun of legal, procurement, marketing all the
0: time, but intentionally in a tongue-in-cheek way. Next, building a scalable rapport engine. It's super interesting because... I think there's a, there's a
1: parallel here between the trust, the relationships, the relatability that field salespeople used to build with their target prospects over, you know, steak dinners yes. and going out for drinks together. Because a lot of that conversation wasn't about the ROI, it wasn't about the deal, it was about building trust person to person. And if, it makes it, it's really interesting to me that what you're doing is just doing that at, at global scale. It must be very tough to make sure that that works in a one-to-many world versus a one-to-one world where there's the ability to you know, really judge that based on the person who's sitting in front of you.
2: Yeah, well, that's a wonderful point. And actually, I'm going to steal that. I think I'm going to use part of my strategy with SalesFeed a, is a scalable rapport engine. It's like building rapport with this audience? Because you're absolutely right. When we don't, you know, when, what is it now? Like over 80% of the buying journey happens online, self-serve before they ever talk to sales. You know, we're missing those opportunities to build that rapport. And we're not talking about the weather or the local sports team or their kids and family. And so this is an amazing way to do that. But you're right. It is not an easy thing to do it at scale, to do it in a way where it feels personal, even though it isn't necessarily. And what I can tell you is that The one thing that I believe really changed the game for us was that I hired somebody into the team that came from that community of of our audience. So our lead personality and content creator for SalesFeed, I hired from being a sales rep. They weren't a marketer. They were a personal content creator on the side, but I found someone who had lived in the sales community who I said, I trust that you can relate to this audience. Because if I had hired a marketer or a video producer to lead creation of this stuff, it wouldn't have landed in the same way. And so having people who have like genuine, like hyper empathy for your audience, who knows what it's like to walk a day in their shoes and who has done it is so important for like all of this, for all of our content strategies today.
1: And I find that really interesting in that I've shown some of the Salesweep videos to non-sales people. And often they don't get it. It comes across as extremely cringy, or they don't get the humour, or it borders on offensive, or they find you know, the lack of yeah. you know it being high production a problem. Perhaps if they're in you know marketing, for example. And I think yeah. that's really interesting. You've gone really hard after the persona you're trying to reach, and what you're trying to do is resonate to them. And even if it puts off other people, that's totally fine with you. So is, is that something not only that you've gone after yourself but you advise other people to do as, as well to go after a really specific target persona and everyone else be damned?
2: Absolutely. I mean that everyone else be damned take that with a grain of salt. I'm not suggesting you should offend others in, in in serious ways, but having that really disciplined focus on a very specific audience and getting as like niche as you can in that persona what it allows you to do is to, I mean, actually it allows you to be more creative in what you do, right? Like constraints breed creativity. And that's a very, very true adage. And so when we were thinking about, okay, we want to create like this, like interesting thing for like, you know, anybody in the world of sales, we actually struggled. We're like, well, sales enablement people are going to feel this way. Sales reps will feel this way. A VP of sales wouldn't like this. And we're like, you know what, when we create more constraints on what we're creating, Then all of a sudden we're like, oh, if it's just for the sales rep, we could do this and that, and here's the joke and this. And like, all of a sudden our best content started to come out. And so I think that there's an opportunity to do that that allows you to then be more creative, be more interesting in your content. But what it then also does is it creates that consistent trust with that audience because they know when you put out a new video on your channel, when they get your next newsletter or whatever it happens to be, that the content has a high likelihood of being relevant to them, being helpful to them, being interesting to them, being relatable to them. Because if they watch one video and then the next video is like, oh, that one's about marketing. I'm not even in marketing. Then you lose them. And if they don't come back, right, you're gone. And so I really think there's a high value in that kind of mindset.
1: So you've talked about talent and choosing talent. And you mentioned Will, who's done a great job for you for Sales Feed and the need for that personality. So in the context of wanting to show, not tell, how do you advise people to choose the talent from their team or when they're hiring somebody?
2: The most important thing is to get ahead and understand where you want to get to when you are hiring or bringing in this talent. And so what what I mean by that is, you know, I actually did for SalesFeed as an example, you know, myself and some members of our team had done a material amount of research planning ahead of time to land on. What do we think we want to do? Like, where, where do we want to be a year or two from now? And we had, you know, we had decided on things like, well, we want to focus on TikTok as a channel because there's a huge opportunity there, but nobody's capitalizing. on it. We want to do humor in addition to education. And so we had made some of those decisions before thinking about the talent because it changed the people that we thought we wanted to bring in. And we said, well, if we're going to do this and we're going to do this, we need people who can, you know, be top tier in these areas, as opposed to, again, hiring, okay, a producer and a content marketer and a writer and then going, okay, now we're going to do all this stuff. And then they're like, okay, I'll have to figure that out. And they're not necessarily the right folks. The other thing too, as we decided we were going to really lean in on video is that we also knew we needed on camera personalities and folks who could be those faces and bring the energy and the empathy and the, the excitement and be comfortable and confident on camera. And so that also went into the hiring plan. And a really interesting thing, if you do look to do more of this, the way I think about it now, which in hindsight, I, um, I don't think I really realized at the time, but I in Will Aiken as a specific example, I hired a creator. And a creator, uh, there's a lot of different ways to interpret that term. But when I think about somebody who is like a TikTok YouTube creator, right? What's unique about them is that they are equally comfortable behind and in front of the camera. They almost thrive on like getting out there, making something interesting, telling a great story, cracking a joke, and they are hyper confident on camera. But they also are the ones who can go, yep, I'm going to record this, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do some quick edits, and we're good to go. And so that's been really interesting and making sure you've got people, if you're going to do video, making sure you've got the talent that you feel is going to gravitate towards it. Sometimes you can develop it internally. Sometimes you might have the right folks. Sometimes you're going to need to bring it in.
1: So there's a clear drive to short form video. You know, you're encapsulating that with the sales feed, you know, TikTok and, and Insta Reels, et cetera. Where does this end up going? If people don't have enough attention and if everybody is producing more and more content, what's around the corner as we create shorter and shorter, you know, five second clips to engage people?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the trend here is no different from the general trends we've always seen in the world of content and digital media, right? There's no shortage of short-form content. You look at social media networks, right? There's, there's posts all the time that you can read in 20, 30 seconds and then move on, right? Well, now some of those are just becoming videos. There's mid-form content that dives deeper on topics, and then there's eBooks and white papers and guides, and those things are still important, as will short-form, mid-form, and long-form video. Right. It's a new medium to deliver a lot of those same messages or to tell those same stories. And so I think that's just the mindset to have. And when we think about short form video, yeah, absolutely. We'll see, you know, five, 10, 30, 45 second videos. We'll see them all of all, all variants. The one thing I would suggest to be mindful of is. A lot of people have asked me recently, oh, TikTok's been in the news about possibly being shut down in the United States. And like, are you worried about that? And, you know, my response is, I mean, generally, no, I'm not worried about that. Because what we've developed as a team is not just an expertise for TikTok as a channel, right, which is great, but more so we've developed an expertise for short form vertical video content. TikTok happens to be the primary channel for that. But guess what? YouTube Shorts is embracing that. Instagram Reels is basically just short form vertical video. And do you know what the most successful content is we put on our LinkedIn channel? It's short form vertical video that we first created for TikTok. I like to say LinkedIn is where adults watch TikToks. And so, you know, my point there is that even if you say, right, like even if you're listening right now and you say, you know what, I'm just not convinced that TikTok is a channel for us, that's fine. But I still encourage you to think about short form vertical video as a format that can be successful on any channel that you use because our audiences are being hardwired to look for that content because they have certain expectations around what it's going to be. It's going to be short. It's going to be valuable. It's going to be entertaining. We're getting more and more drawn to that format. So lean in on the format and then figure out what your best channels are.
0: And now looking inside and outside of tech for content inspiration.
1: Well, what do you think the implications are of video and video in marketing and sales, particularly of text to video, you know, the AI-based solutions we're seeing, particularly ChatGPT, yeah. the ability for people to create this content and turn it into video in a stream, you know, completely you know, frictionless, automated way?
2: I'm not going to lie. It's pretty wild to see what's happening out there. And we're already, you know, experimenting with using AI tools and ChatGPT to, you know, write video scripts, or at least the starting point of a video script. And, you know, that's the analogy to like writing the starting point for a blog post or other formats. So no question that there will be tools that will make it easier than ever for anybody, frankly, to come up with a concept for a video, to write a script for a video. And then there's still, though, a huge role for our personalities, our delivery to play. It's interesting with I actually believe this drives more importance around video as a medium. So, let's just say, and I'm not I'm not suggesting this is the way we'll play out, but let's just say for sake of argument that ChatGPT commoditizes traditional content marketing. Right? Like literally any everybody is writing a blog a day in an automated way and, you know, that text-based content becomes effectively commoditized. Now you still need your voice and all these things. But in this world our personalities, right, our trustworthiness, our ability to tell stories becomes way more important because those are things that ChatGPT can't do yet. And most AI can't do yet. And so that's where we differentiate. And how do we bring our personalities, our stories to life? How do we create greater trust? Well, video is, I think, the perfect way to do that. And so I think that the rise of all these AI tools are going to make video even more important for us. It's going to be how we differentiate, how we are in trust with our audience. But there's absolutely tools that now help us make video faster, easier, cheaper, writing scripts. I mean, we, we there's even AI tools where if you're like looking off camera because you're reading a script, it can make it look like you're looking at the camera. Like it's wild, Right. So these things are going to make it easier and easier for us to create great professional video, which is exciting, right? It's going to help us create better content faster, and, and I think that's the opportunity.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to the the first few videos you publish of yourself or of Will, where um, you've spent no time on it at all, because it's just a deep fake of you talking, and it's mimicking your voice and mimicking your personality. And uh, when we get to that point, then perhaps we're going to have another conversation about how it's changing the game. So just to end off with here... You know, who do you point to? Obviously, you know, yourselves are a great example. Who else do you point to? Perhaps one or two inside tech and a couple of outside tech as inspirations. You've m- mentioned Mr. Beast already of great video communicators who show rather than tell.
2: Yeah, you, you know, there's so many great folks that we follow. Like LinkedIn is just like it's such a wonderful place to discover. And there's so many people that we all follow that we think do a great job, um, you know, using it as a way to to build their identities and, and earn trust. I mean, there, there are too many to count. But like, I would start with there, like, I'd encourage everybody, like, follow great influencers in your community on LinkedIn and keep tabs on what they are doing. We look at, as you said, we take a lot of inspiration from consumer world. Folks like MrBeast are great inspiration on YouTube, other great YouTubers who do really educational videos. I actually just, I follow a lot of what my kids are watching, 100% serious and that my 13-year-old often recommends YouTubers to me. I can't even think of any of their names now. They're just like in my feed. And I'm like, wow, this person is terrific. Like they're just They're nailing it. Like, I totally want to do a sales version of that. And then TikTok is the same way, right? It's just like, I take a lot of inspiration from TikTok now. And, you know, a lot, 90% of what I see is like, oh, get that out of here. But like every once in a while, I'm like, oh, this person gets it. They know what they're doing. So that, I mean, that's my honest answer. I'm like, so much of this is just sort of, Ongoing consumption of what's happening around me and finding those where you're like, oh, I really like the way this person's doing it. Go for it. So look for those people in your audience network and take inspiration from them. Flattery is the, or sorry, imitation is the greatest form of flattery.
1: There we go. There we go. One final question that I've been wanting to ask, because there's loads of people in our audience who might be in, you know, go to market functions and looking at how much content you put out there. So just tell me how much of your day or how much of your week is focused on video creation and doing what we've just discussed versus your day job. And many people who are listening to this might be aspiring to doing what you're doing, but they've got a day job. They've got teams to manage. They've got product to build. They've got solutions to market. So how do you divide that up in your calendar?
2: So personally, for me, I wish I was able to spend more time on creating content myself and putting it out there. I try to stay consistent on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is my one channel that, that I embrace as a creator and as a personal brand builder, if you will. And so I try to make sure that I am posting on LinkedIn at least three times a week. And I really should be daily. I mean, these, these days, if you want to, to build that audience, daily content is really, really important. And so, but I do mix it up. I mean, some of it is just perspective. It's quick ideas and tips. And then, you know, sometimes it's a video. But I feel really comfortable doing all of those because I've been doing them a long time. And I think that's the biggest, you know, suggestion for anybody out there is, is, is like with anything, you know, the more you do it, the more you practice it, the more comfortable, the more efficient, the better you get at it. And, you know, I would say be, you know, get comfortable with just recording short videos, putting them out there into your community. They don't have to, you don't have to like sit down and go, my gosh, i have got to come up with a whole new idea, write a big new script right? If, you know, things that are coming on a daily basis, if like an interesting idea pops, if an interesting story is shared, you know, make a quick note of it. Take 10 minutes later that day with your phone and just record a quick video of you talking about that. And the more you do that, the more comfortable you'll get. And eventually you might be like me and actually do like parody rap videos and put them out on your channel for everybody to see as embarrassing as they may be
1: and push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. Love it. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate the time today, Tyler, and looking forward to seeing people's responses to this, but also to see their responses to some of the videos we'll share alongside this from SalesFeed. So thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Shout out to Tyler for being on the show. Now you have a better understanding of the idea of show, don't tell in content marketing. Today, we talked about showing instead of telling, the three pillars of SalesFeed success, using humor in content without crossing the line, building a scalable rapport engine, and looking inside and outside of tech for content inspiration. Make sure to give Protect the Hustle a five-star review and tell us what lesson from Tyler was your favorite. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to and tell your friends about Protect the Hustle, a podcast from Paddle Studios, dedicated to helping you build better SaaS.